What's up, guys? In this episode of The Conqueror Approach, we're going to talk about breaking through fear, taking risks, how to understand the mind and live an extraordinary life, overcoming depression, and suicide awareness. Stay tuned. If you look back at the education system and where it really came from, this all starts to make a lot more sense. If you're listening to this right now, like, you know deep down that like the system you've gone through has not led you to being an individually creative, happy, joyful, fulfilled, contributing member of society that like fully individualistic, like living your true potential. Everybody who's listening to this knows that, but most of us wonder why, right? And I'll explain that to you. The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome back to the Conqueror Approach. I appreciate you for tuning in and joining us today. I have Xander Fryer. He's a best-selling author and internationally renowned speaker and host of iTunes' top podcast, Shit You Don't Learn in College. After quitting his successful corporate career, making over 200000 a year at Cisco as an engineer, at the age of 27, Xander launched his own company, High Impact Coaching, to inspire and empower entrepreneurs to build successful businesses while adding value to the world. He's a mentor of millionaires, Grammy award-winning artists, and best-selling authors alike. Thank you, Xander, for joining me today. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And you have an incredible story. I know a lot of people would probably think you're crazy. And I'm, I'm sure the people that you are close with probably didn't understand you leaving a great job to make your own company and do something different that's not really the same yeah. as being an engineer and yep. that's all good man. cool man it, it all flourished into something great and what you're doing now is impacting a lot of people so i just kind of want to know a little bit more about your journey into creating high impact coaching and what made you make that shift yeah that's i, I think that's a really good question i mean um you know i when i when i was at cisco you know i i did uh, i had what everybody called success right like i made great money. I had a great title. Um, I was working with clients like Disney, Facebook, NBC, Verizon, DirecTV, Sony, like all these big name brands. Um, as a kid in his mid twenties, I had a standing, a standing meeting with the Disney CIO, right? Like what the hell? Like who does that? Um, I was driving a BMW. I lived in Venice beach, flew around the country, like literally like a kid in his mid twenties dream. I had it all but I didn't feel successful, right? Like, you know, what, what I was led to believe was success, make the money, have the title, uh, you know, but be, do something that's, you know, have the big name, whatever it is, right? And I just never felt successful with what I was doing. And I realized, um, I, I realized that the, the education system and all of our upbringing and everything like that was programming this idea of what success was for me. And I, I kept chasing it and it, it wasn't there. Right. And every year I would get another promotion or another raise and I'd have this like sharp peak of joy and then like a dull hunger for more right afterwards. And I, I just knew that like that, that wasn't success, right? The title, the income, the money, all of that stuff, like wasn't success for me. Um, you know, it's funny. It's funny you talking about like 
you know, people probably thought I was crazy. Like my mom thought I was crazy. Um, I'm, I'm half Pakistani. So like anybody of like Indian, Indian heritage will get this. Like when I told my mom that I was quitting my engineering job, she was like WTF, right? Like you don't, you don't do that to a Brown mom, right? Like you just don't do it. Um, and so I, you know, when I quit my job, my mom's super supportive and always loved everything that I did, but she basically told me like, no, don't do it. Right. And I had to, I had to be like, I call my mom, mama, <laughs> total mama's boy. Um, you know, I was like, mama, like, I need you to understand that. Like, I know you can't see it, but I, I need you to understand that you did such a good job raising me that I'm going to do like, I, it would be doing you an injustice. She, she emigrated from Pakistan to the U S when she was 15 years old to, to get away from a lot of shit there and like build a stable life for our family and everything. Right. I was like, I need you to understand I would be doing you an injustice for all the work that you did for me and my sister by not going for something more. Right. That this isn't what I was meant for. I was meant for something different, something bigger. Um, but it was terrifying. Right. It was absolutely terrifying. I threw away something that was really good. Right. It was, uh, you know, uh, like it, it, it was great. Like it wasn't bad. I wasn't in a dead end job. I was making more money every year. I was working with great clients, had a lot of autonomy. Right. But part of me knew deep down that this wasn't it. Right. And uh, I had a conversation with a mentor of mine and he was the one that really kind of sparked that in me. Um, he asked me, Xander, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I, I told him, and this guy was a seven figure entrepreneur at the time. Um, and I told him, I was like, honestly, like I'd, I'd, you know, I'd probably be, you know, like I'd love to mentor full time. I don't even know what that means, but um, I was actually in Air Force ROTC when I went through college. I was actually going to be a fighter pilot. Um, and I, you know, I got top gun award at field training and everything. And then I got a DUI my senior year and I got kicked out. Right. So that kind of blew up my whole 20 year future of being a, you know, an F 22 pilot in the air force. Um, but I told him, I was like, ever since I got kicked out of the air force, I, you know, I've, uh, I've really missed mentoring and leading other people. And, uh, he goes, well, why don't you do it? And I go, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, why don't you pursue that career full time? You can do a lot of things. I go, well, I have this great career at Cisco. I'm making great money. Like I'm going to be one of the youngest directors in Cisco's recent history. And he goes, Xander, just because, just because you're good at something, does that mean you should do it? And just because you're on a path, does that mean you should walk it? And he goes, what, what do you really feel like you need to do? And I was like, holy shit, like nobody's ever asked me that before, right? And um, he said something then that kind of like really shifted me because I was this cocky, confident mid twenties kid who had, you know, all this quote unquote success, but he just goes, you know, Xander, do you know the difference between you and me? And I go, well, you make a shit ton more money than I do. Uh, and he goes, he goes, the difference between you and me is I'm actually living my dream. And ever since you got kicked out of the air force, you're just dreaming a dream. Mm. And for, for, uh, you know, a cocky kid in his mid twenties that just cut through all the bullshit that just cut through all the, the facade of like what I was pretending was success on the outside. And, and he just helped me realize, he's like, dude, I just see a scared little kid. You're just scared to pursue the things that, you know, deep down, you really need to pursue. And that's it. There's nothing wrong with that, but just admit that you're scared because then you can actually move through it. Um, and I remember thinking about that conversation he also told me, he goes, Xander, one thing you'll learn when you get to my age is uh, the one thing, the one resource you can never get back is your time. And every moment off purpose is a moment wasted. And that was on like a Saturday and I couldn't stop thinking about that all Sunday long. And then Monday morning I went back to work and I remember sitting through like I had, I, you know, eight to 9 a.m. was 
uh, you know, the engineering call. And I kept thinking, I'm never going to get this hour back. 9 to 10 a.m. was the sales call. And I kept thinking, I'm never going to get this hour back. Right. 10 to 11 was the Disney call. 11 to 12 was the NBC call. All of a sudden, it's lunchtime. And all I can think about is I'm never going to get that morning back. That morning is gone for the rest of my life. And it was not lived purposefully for me. So I literally picked up my phone and I called my mentor and I was like, or my, my, uh, my manager. And I was like, Frank, I quit. And he was like, what, what the hell? Like, like who gave you an offer? Where are you going? I was like, I don't know. Nobody gave me an offer. He's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, what do you mean? You don't know. I was like, I don't know, but I know that it's not this. That's all I know. I know that this is not what I was meant to do with my life. And if, if, if all I did was quit right now and just go figure out what I was meant to do with my life, that would be more important because at least I'm not delaying it anymore. So that's how I ended up quitting was just, you know, basically realizing that, you know, number one, like we only have so much time on this earth. And then number two, having the courage to just go against the norm face. I think so many of us, so many of us are like held by fear of people judging us, fear of people criticizing us and what we do when deep down we know what we want to do, but it's other people judging us and, and telling us this is what you need to do. And that's really, that creates so much anxiety. It creates so much tension within us. Like wh why do we let other people dictate that for us rather than really allowing us ourselves to really go after that shit? Man, that's super powerful. I resonate with that a lot, man. And I, I could totally see that that mentor just being such a crucial voice Absolutely. right to give you that feedback right not what you want to hear because anyone would have been like yeah man you're doing great like why would you yeah even think about that stop being dumb or whatever <laughs> another thing i want to point out is like hey man you burned the bridges right there yeah like some people have a dream or are just an awareness of it however they hold on to their secure job yeah. For years and then five years go by and they're thinking of that time. Then 10 years go by and they're thinking of that time. I knew people in the military. I felt the same way, honestly. I know you wanted to join the military, but I felt like what you were feeling at yeah. Cisco when I was in the Navy. Yeah. And then I see people who are just doing their time, miserable, afraid to get out because of that because, secure paycheck. Because it's unknown, because it's quote unquote unsecure. Like you mentioned that secure paycheck. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy though. Like all of this comes back to a, a subconscious psychological fear of death, right? Like it always comes back to that. Um, you know, it, it's the need for safety, the need for comfort. You know, I, I always, you know, we talk about this in my book, shit you don't learn in college in, in, in depth, but like, you know, if you think about it, like our, our response in today's society to a majority of our decisions, I talk about this in my TEDx as well. 90% of the decisions we make are fear-based decisions, Right. Well, evolutionarily, why, like, where did fear come from? Where does this idea of fear come from? It was designed to keep us safe from dying. So when you hear a loud noise, rawr, stay away from it. It's a saber-toothed tiger. You'll die, right? The fear, of, the fear of heights that we have naturally is because if you fall off of a cliff, you're going to die, right? Like these fears, those two fears, loud noises and heights are the only two fears that we are evol evolutionarily programmed with. All of the others are socially programmed, right? But it comes back to keeping us alive. Now, I don't know if you noticed, like, I don't know if you checked the bathroom before we started this call, but like, there are no saber-toothed tigers in the bathroom, right? Like, we're not gonna die by making these decisions, right? But we might be criticized. We might be judged. 
Now, Dr. David R. Hawkins talks about this in his book, Power Versus Force. Shame is the lowest energetic state that we have as humans, just above death. Shame is actually one of the worst feelings that we can feel as humans. It's so bad that, and you and I were just talking about this before we hopped on this call, that it will actually cause people to commit suicide. People would rather die than feel shame because it's such a low energetic state, right? Now, that fear of judgment, that fear of criticism, doing something that goes against the norm literally keeps people in jobs that they hate. It keeps them doing things that they despise. It keeps them making decisions that, that tear them up inside and cause them anxiety and depression and suicidal tendencies, right? But it's all because of that fear. And what we really need to do is we need to realize that these fears are fake. They are not real. They are, they are stories in our own head that cause us to feel this way. And we need to start to reframe those stories so that we can actually move forward with our lives and do shit that matters. That's huge, man. I, I know Les Brown says false evidence appearing real or Zig Ziglar, yeah. one of them coined that one. And that's really it. Like, how, how do you go about creating a relationship with fear? Because really fear is just fear. It's, a, it's an emotion. I look at it as data yeah. and, and, and see how it influences my feelings and behaviors. But if, I feel when you look at it as data or just information and acknowledge it, you can still act despite of it. Yeah. Right. Cause it's not fear that stops us. It's our response and our relationship it's, it's, to that. Yeah. Fear. It's the, it's the relationship with fear and the action we take because of fear. Do we allow fear? Like a lot of people think like I've done a lot of really crazy shit in the last five years, right? Like quitting my job and you know, all these other things that I've done with the business that it's, a, that's allowed it to double literally every single year for the last four years. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I tell people like, it's not that I don't have fear. Like I'm ter terrified of spiders. I'm terrified of heights, right? I'm terrified of sharks, but I'll still go in the ocean, but I'll still go get the spider. When my wife, Maddie tells me there's a big spider in the living room. I'll still go do, I'll still go to the edge of a, of a tall building because I, I love pushing myself. And like you mentioned, it's my relationship with fear. So yes, fear is data. Also, in, in my opinion, I actually use uh, to this point. Now I have you know, we've, we've built a company, you know, we'll do somewhere between four to 5 million this year. We've impacted tens of thousands of lives, you know, like you mentioned, like TEDx best-selling book, like all this different stuff, right? I have now realized that the more that I go towards my fears, the more successful I am. So that's my relationship with fear, but I've built that relationship over the course of years, right? Ryan Holiday talks about it in his book, The Obstacle is the Way, uh, Marcus Aurelius talks about it, all the stoic principles, you know, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca talk about it. Like the impediment to action is the, the direction that action is needed. Right. Um, so, you know, really what I tell people is like fear can actually be a compass for your true purpose, because, you know, I always tell people purpose is, is the, you know, the, uh, the two decisions we have on the spectrum, you're either making your decisions from a place of fear or a place of purpose right now. Most of us make fear-based decisions, right? Now, in order to make a purpose-based decision, we have to make courageous decisions in the face of fear. So you're going to have to face your fears to make uh, purposeful decisions. Um, so like I mentioned, I've built this relationship over the course of years. And every time I go make a scary decision, it turns out for the best. Like I want everybody to think about, right? Like think about over the last year, was there anything that you did, you know, despite your fears 
whatever it was that you did, maybe it was uh, you, 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 you quit a job or you turned down uh, an opportunity that you knew wasn't right for you, or you had a difficult conversation with a loved one that you knew you needed to have. Like, think about these things that you did in the face of fear. And I almost guarantee that something amazing came from it, right? Well, what if you did that all the time? What if every day you, you made that decision to face that fear and make a courageous, take a courageous action, right? Now, it doesn't have to start with anything big like quitting your multiple six-figure job, but it can start with little things, right? It can start by you know, telling somebody the honest truth that you've been meaning to tell them, having a difficult conversation with a loved one or friend, right? It can start by doing, doing something difficult that you know other people might judge you for and just doing something uncomfortable to get out of your comfort zone and go prove that you're not going to die, right? I did, um, you know, when I first started my business, this is probably where I developed this habit. When I first started my business, um, I knew that I wasn't good enough, right? That sounds really weird to a lot of people, right? Like self-development guy telling everybody that he's not good enough. Well, you're not good enough, right? If you were good enough, you would have all the things you ever wanted in life, right? The truth is none of us are good enough for our dreams, for what we really want yet, right? I want to make that very clear. None of us are good enough yet. Well, how do you become good enough? Well, you have to grow physically, psychologically, emotionally, mentally in your skill sets. Well, how do you grow, right? How do you build a muscle? You put tension on it, right? You, you push it out of its comfort zone. That's how you grow, right? So I knew that if I wanted to grow every single day, I was just going to do something that made me uncomfortable. I was going to do something where I had to face a fear and I had just did it anyways, right? So every single day for the first year I started my business, I did the, I called it my big cojones action, right? So I'd literally wake up every morning and I'd, I'd think of, I think of something that just scared the shit out of me, right? I remember the first one I ever did was I was a huge Jack, Jack Canfield fan. I, I read his books. Uh, you know, I listened to his, uh, all of his audio shit. So the first thing I did when I quit my job the next morning, I Googled Jack Canfield phone number and I found his number and I called him. And I got a hold of his director of operations and I was like, hey, my name's Xander. I just quit my job. Can I come hang out with you guys? And they were like, uh, who the shit is this guy? 30 minutes later, I told him the story of what I was doing and why I quit. And then I got bumped up to his CEO, Patty Aubrey. And then I got to Jack. 45 minutes after I found his number, I had a flight out to Arizona to go hang out with him and his team for the next three weeks. All because I did something that most people wouldn't do. Most people were too afraid to do. They rejected themselves from even trying to call Jack, right? I remember... I did things like, um, again, we talked about my, my mom being Pakistani. I told, her, uh, I told her that she couldn't call me for six months because she, like, when I quit my job, she was like, you know, I, like, come on down to San Diego, like, hang out. Like, you, now you have all this time. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have time. I have to figure out my business. So I told my mom, like my brown mom, that she couldn't call me. Like anybody who's brown knows that that is not acceptable. That's not okay, right? And I told her that. Right. And she had to respect that. I called an ex-girlfriend and asked my ex-girlfriend to give me feedback on our relationship. What, what was I good at? What was I not good at? What was our sex life like for you? Like what would have made it better? Like what could have kept us together? Like crazy stuff that most people would not ask. Um, I remember even at one point I got offered a, a six figure job opportunity to go work part-time for one of Cisco's partners because I had, I had such good connections at like NBC and Disney and Facebook. They're like, we want you to come in for 10 hours, uh, 10 hours a week and just make introductions and we'll pay you 10K a month, right? I turned it down 
even though I was about three weeks away from not being able to pay rent because I still hadn't made a dime in my business. I turned that job down to make sure that I was fully committed to getting my coaching business up and running. That was the type of shit that I was doing every single day. I was picking the one thing that scared me. You do that for an entire year. It's almost impossible for fear to have any hold over you anymore because you've just proven that every time I did this scary thing, I didn't die. Right. So that's, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is like, you know, we all know, we all know that fear is the biggest limiting factor in all of our success. Like that's not, that, that's not new news for anybody. Well, how do you just not let it be the limiting factor? You have to go make it a habit to face your fears and take action in the face of them anyway. Man, that's huge. And I, I even discovered, and I keep continuously discovering that it is like the Marcus Aurelius quote of impediment of action yeah. enhances action. It's usually what I fear the most is what I need to do the most. hundred percent. It's usually that. Like if it fears. And, well, here's, here's the deal is like psychologically we will justify, we'll say, no, 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 it's not like there's another, it, it's definitely not that thing. Like we want to justify in our mind that it's not that thing. Why? Because you're so fucking scared of it. Right. So you'll make an excuse why, oh, no, 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 that doesn't make, you know, that's not realistic. Like I shouldn't quit my job. I shouldn't turn down this offer. Right. That doesn't make realistic sense. Right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of burst everybody's bubble. Success is not realistic. It's not entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurship is not realistic. True success. Right. Think about success. What is the definition of success? You do more and better than other people. So you deserve more and better than other people, right? So think about it. If we follow common logic, can you ever be successful? No, because common logic is common. There's only one route for common logic, mediocrity. So whatever, you know, whatever seems realistic in our brains or, or you know, the right thing to do in our brains is probably the exact opposite of what you need to be doing. Exactly, man. What, like, if we look at what's normal, like what's normal yeah. in society, it's normal to die of a heart attack. I don't yeah. want to do that. Like, it's normal to be it's stuck normal, in a job you hate. It's normal to be stuck to. in a job you hate. According to Forbes, 87% of people in nine to fives don't want to be there. 87%. That's crazy. That's normal. Right? It's normal to be, <laughs> it's normal to be obese and out of shape. It's not at this point, it's normal to have anxiety and some form of autoimmune or stress disorder. That is normal today. Why the hell would we want that? Man, I get it, dude. And it's like 70% of people overweight, obese. I think like half of the people by the age of 30 are, are prescribed to some medication or drug <laughs> to help whatever disorder they have. Like it, what is normal? Yeah. You no. Know? So it, it, it's to create success, like you said, to create something extraordinary, we have to shift that norm, the normalcy, mediocre is normal. Yeah. You know? And and I think, you know, this is, this is really where the idea of shit you don't learn in college was born, right? Because like, why, like, why are the normal things normal? You know, a high majority of that comes from education right? Like what we are educated on in terms of what success is supposed to be and what we are supposed to be as we grow up, the information that we are, are, are um, uh, led to believe, that really creates what we think normal is and what we're supposed to be. Now, um, you know, I always tell people, 
like if you look back at the education system and where it really came from, right, this all starts to make a lot more sense, like how we're being programmed and why. And, and like, like I, if you're listening to this right now, like, you know, deep down that like the system you've gone through has not led you to being an individually creative happy, joyful, fulfilled, contributing member of society that like fully individualistic, like living your true potential, right? Everybody who's listening to this knows that, but most of us wonder why, right? And I'll explain that to you. So are you familiar with the trivium by any chance? Trivium? The trivium? No. So if you go back to ancient Greece, right? We were just talking, we we're just talking about, um, you know, stoic principles. So going back to, to ancient Greece, uh, Plato's Republic and, and uh, Socrates, um, what made you an individually successful and contributing member of society uh, was mastering what was referred to as the trivium back then, you know, 405. Path- Sorry? Athos, ethos, logos. Is that what you're talking about? Close. Close. Okay. So it's, uh, it's actually, so the trivium is grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Right. Mm -hmm. So grammar, logic and logic and rhetoric was what everybody would they would literally spend decades mastering these just these three things before they got into any form of particular training. Okay, And you had to master these things to become an individually contributing member of society. Now, think about what these three things are. Grammar is the ability to learn on your own. Logic is the ability to reason on your own. And rhetoric is the ability to critically question, critically think, and re-deliver whatever you've absorbed in your way, okay? So that's what makes an individually contributing member of society, learning on your own, uh, reasoning on your own, thinking on your own. Now, fast forward to ancient Rome, okay? Fast forward to ancient Rome, and we've got um, you know imperialistic Rome, expansionist Rome, right? Expanding militaristic. What makes a terrible soldier? Someone who learns on their own, someone who constantly reasons on their own, and someone who critically questions all the time, right? So that's not what you want as a, as a soldier in ancient Rome. So they did away with the whole trivium to create cogs in a wheel, right? That's what it was. It was to create cogs in a wheel. It was for the greater good, but at the cost of the individual. Now you fast forward to um, you know the industrial age, and it's the same thing. Now it's not militaristic expansion, but it's economic expansion. We're creating corporations, these mini armies, right? And we're creating these worker ants that go into these. Now I'm all for capitalism. It's created so many advancements in technology and healthcare and all these amazing things that have helped us make our lives more comfortable. But it's also killing us. Right. Like, just like you mentioned, depression's at an all time high, anxiety and stress is at an all time high, health issues at an all time high. Right. And this is because we're creating cogs for this wheel of, of, of economic expansion. Right. It's the same thing. Our education system is designed to create cookie cutter pieces to fit in these big organizations. And we're over the last, you know, 30, 20, 10 years, we're just getting more and more aware that that's just creating more and more physiological and psychological issues with the individuals to the point that it's causing, you know, people to commit suicide, people to be depressed and on some form of pill, health issues all over the place. This is all because we're trying to shove people that are individuals into a cookie cutter box. That's where it's all stemming from. I wanted to ask you, 
because you just touched on something that I want to introduce more and talk about more. Yeah. Definitely 100% agree. Like the system conditions us to be what would fit society yeah. or fit our norms, right? And depression's at an all time high. Suicide on the rise. Last year, huge increase yep. from previous quarters and years and whatever the data shows. What would you tell somebody who's contemplating suicide? You know, I think the first thing, I think the first thing that I want everybody to understand who's contemplating suicide, because you and I were talking about this, I lost, I lost my best friend to suicide four years ago. Um, I think the first thing that I want anybody to understand who's contemplating suicide is understanding um, that it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault, but that also you, like, you can change this. You were just never given the tools to change this. You were just never given the tools to understand you're never given the tools to understand your brain and how your brain works, how your emotions work, right? A lot of us, a lot of us who get stuck in, in deep, dark depression or PTSD or suffer with trauma, you know, a big part of this is we just don't understand what's going on. So we feel like it's inescapable, right? I've been there. I've been through, you know, when I lost AJ, I, I, I didn't want to get out of bed for about nine straight months. I ball my eyes out like 30% of the day. I, I lost my complete identity as a person. Um, but, you know, the reality was I had, I had a distinct advantage that most people don't have. I understood how my brain worked. I understood how emotions worked. And so therefore I understood how to move through the emotions and the, 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 you know, think about this. Like when I lost my best friend, first of all, I was, I was heartbroken. I was lonely I felt all the, the sadness, the loneliness, the, the anger, but then I also resented my best friend for killing himself. I resented AJ for taking himself away from, from our friends and his family. I hated him for that, but then I felt guilty for resenting my best friend who was so tormented that he killed himself. How could I resent somebody who was so, he, he was so like, dim, like dark inside that he had to take his own life? How could I resent him for that? So I felt guilty for that. And then I felt ashamed for feeling both of these emotions because what if somebody, you know, I was a coach. What if somebody could, could hear my thoughts, right? But here's the deal. When I was going through that depression, I, I never identified with those emotions because I knew that they were just emotions. I felt those emotions, but I never identified with them. Did I cry all day long? Absolutely. Because I knew scientifically proven the only way through an emotion is to actually feel it. Right now, there's a lot of different types of modalities and therapies and things like that that you can use to move through traumas, but it's the only way to move through an emotion is actually to move through it. Right. And so many of us try and avoid these emotions, and that's why they, they bury down in our subconscious. Our subconscious is 95% of our brain. So we can turn off these emotions on that 5%. Our conscious mind, well, where do they go? They go marinate in that subconscious. And the more you turn off to them, and the more that get down there and get buried deeper, the stronger hold they have until the point that you can't take it anymore. But if you realize that you can actually move through these emotions little by little, right? It doesn't happen overnight, but that there is an eventual light at the end of the tunnel. And you know that you have, you know, this much in your subconscious and you learn how to unprogram yourself and how to move through your emotions. Well, you can get to work, right? But the big problem is most people are just never, they're never given, think about this, right? Like, have you bought a TV recently? Yeah. Did you get it? Did you get a user's manual for your TV remote? 
Probably not. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. Most no. most people do. They get a they get a they get a user's manual for their TV remote or their TV or right. or their even their like toaster oven or something like that, right? You get a user's yeah. manual for most shit. Were you ever given a user's manual for your brain? Nope. No. The most complex and most important tool that we're ever given is humans. And we're never given a user's manual for it. Right? We we spend a quarter of the book, a quarter of shit you don't learn in college is teaching people how their brain and how their emotions work. Because if you start to understand how that 95% of your subconscious works and how your emotions work, you can start to, you can start to control them. You can start to move through them, right? So that you can actually create uh, you know, a, a life that's actually much more fulfilling. I always tell people, right? Like imagine, imagine like your goals are off you know, in front of you and you've got like five horses that are running like full speed at those, at those goals. Right. But those five horses are chained to 95 donkeys and those 95 donkeys are your subconscious mind. And they've been programmed by society, by culture, by media to not go towards your goals. They're, they're going the opposite direction or even they're just sitting there. They're just sitting their fat asses down. Your five horses are never going to make it to your goals right? You're never, if you're in depression, your five horses are never going to pull you out of depression, right? You need to learn how to go get those 95 donkeys on the same page and helping you out, right? So, you know, for anybody who's, who's suffering from depression or anxiety or, or uh, any of that stuff, the first thing that I tell you is get the user's manual. Number one, understand it's not your fault. Number two, understand there is a way out for anybody. I worked, I worked with trauma survivors, PTSD, uh, PTSD survivors, depression, suicidal tendencies. I worked with these people for years, right? Because I myself went through this and AJ went through it. And that was one of the hardest things. I had helped all these people, but I couldn't help AJ, right? And I will tell you that anybody can make it out, but not everybody will because they don't have the user's manual. That's what you really need. Man, that's huge. I, I love the analogy of the five horses. And yeah. the donkeys, because that, that really is it, man. 95% of our programs, our belief systems are developed when we're young. So it's yeah. not, we don't know what we don't know. And that's why we do need a user's manual. We need people to point out. We need mentors that can point out the feedback that yep. you got, right? To, to see what we don't see, because we also can't see it all. Oh, 100%. Right? I, I, think, I think Les Brown said something. We can't read the label when we're stuck in the box. Yep. So we have to have people around us, mentors, friends, or, or people who are willing to read the box for what it is and give us that information because you might think you're doing everything right and you're not getting the result you want and you're getting, you're getting all crazy about it. Yeah, so just, just to give you – I think that's so important just to give you guys an example because I think this is so crucial. Um, you know, when we're working with clients, we tell everybody that, you know, again, like we're talking about 90 to 95% of your actions are dictated by subconscious programming, right? And majority of those subconscious programmings happen between the ages of three and eight years old, right? And why is that? Because to program the subconscious requires repetition and emotion. So extremely heightened emotions and, and repeated, repeated stuff. Now, when you're a kid, everything's a heightened emotion, right? Everything's a life or death situation. So that's why so much of the programming is happening when you're a kid. I'll give you an example. When I was five years old, I do a lot of deep psychosomatic work and psychological work. And I was doing a session with, uh, with one of our practitioners 
And uh, we went back to, uh, you know, when I was five years old, I was with my mom and she told me to like clean up the leaves in the front yard. I had a great upbringing, by the way. No, no real trauma, nothing crazy, but we all suffer from some kind of psychosomatic trauma as kids, because as a five-year-old, whether or not you were, you know, in a tragic car accident or something like I'm about to share with you, which was very, very minuscule, it can be a life or death situation in your mind. So my mom told me to go clean the leaves and our sprinklers had just gone off. So I remember thinking like, oh, the leaves are wet. Like I probably shouldn't go clean the leaves right now. As a five-year-old kid, how do I communicate that to my mom? No. Right. And she goes, Xander, go clean the leaves. And I go, no. And she goes, go clean the leaves. And I go, no. And I storm off and I run to the bathroom, right? Because instead of explaining to her like, mother, uh, you know, the leaves are a little bit wet. I'm going to wait a couple of hours and I'm going to clean them up later. I didn't know how to communicate that. So I storm off, I run to the bathroom and I slam the door behind me. And as I slam the door, the handle breaks and I lock myself in the bathroom accidentally. Now, kind of funny looking back at it, right? Five-year-old kid locks himself in the bathroom accidentally in a little shit fit. Uh, But as that five-year-old kid, I remember being terrified. I thought I was going to run out of air and I thought I was going to die, right? So I literally created a life or death situation for me. And in that moment, I made this decision. When I push for my way, even if I know it's right, it'll put me in a really dangerous situation. That became a subconscious programming. And as I moved forward into my future, it prevented me from from, uh, telling people what I really knew to be right. I was, I was reserved and I let people take the reins, even if I knew what they was, if I, even if I knew what they were doing was wrong. Now, as a CEO of my company, do you think that would be helpful for me to just like let people go do the wrong thing, if, even if I knew the right thing? No, of course not. But as a 30-year-old man, five-year-old Xander was at the helm of my subconscious ship. Right now, we all have programs like this, and it's not one or two, it's hundreds and thousands of them that are in our brain from when we were younger. And this is what makes up the majority of that 95% five year old Xander, seven year old Xander, three year old Xander making these decisions about life. Right. And that now becomes how you behave as a 30 year old, a 40 year old, a 50 year old adult. Right. So if you're not taking the time to go back and figure out these programmings, like you mentioned, have a mentor to go find these labels that you've created. And cause you can't even see that they're happening. You're just like, no, this is the world, right? That's not how you're supposed to act. No, that's just the program you created as a five-year-old. Doesn't make a lot of sense when you're 30 years old. Absolutely, man. And, and what may have served us in the past or a certain time period served us then, but yeah. to get to that success, to create great things, to have an extraordinary life, it's not going to serve us in that way. So you got to do, you got to do something different. Got to do something different. And, and that's what this is all about, man. The first and best victory is to conquer self. And that starts in the mind and how we think and how we operate and the awareness to that, how our brain works and operates. I appreciate you for opening up so many difficult topics, really, to talk Absolutely, about, but man. so needed, right? People, this is the source. The mind is the source of our reality and how we perceive and live life. So I, I appreciate you for for going into deep details on that. And, and before we wrap this up, I just want to give you an opportunity to tell us what's next for you. What's, what's the future looking like and where can people reach you uh, preferably? Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, there's really two major things going on, obviously, uh, you know, high impact coaching is my company. We've worked with, uh, you know, over 700 coaches to help them, you know, life coaches, health coaches, uh, career coaches, mindset coaches to help them build six figure, multiple six figure, and even seven figure businesses. 
um, you know, I believe coaches are really the tip of the spear to, to, you know, changing this world and, and having a bigger impact. So, uh, you know, that's where high impact coaching is. Um, but really we've taken a lot of what we've learned by working with hundreds of other practitioners and refine that into, um, you know, what we teach in, in my book, shit, you don't learn in college, uh, which is, uh, currently available pre-sale. It'll be out for publication October 19th, but we are, uh, we're selling it pre-sale right now, um, at, uh, sidlicbook.com. That's S Y D L I C book.com. Um, and for everybody who's buying the pre-sale book, uh, we're actually giving away over $3,000 in, in coaching programs. So a four-week uh, transformational program. I've got a whole uh, productivity program that corporations normally pay me two grand that we're giving away for everybody that buys that book pre-sale. Um, so that's you know really one of the big things for me is what we've been able to do for you know, uh, you know, almost 800 practitioners. We're now taking all of that knowledge and we're, we're getting it to the general public because just like you and I talked about, like this is the type of stuff that like, Every this is the shit that you don't learn in college. This is shit that everybody needs if they want to have a more successful life. They need to learn how to, uh, you know, how to be able to to program themselves. They need to learn how to get clear on what they really want. They need to learn how to establish the and master the skills of execution, and then learn all the tactical shit that could actually help them succeed. How to be more productive. How to how to get rid of stress and anxiety. How to get better at sales and influence. Um, how to build communication and relationship skills. This is all the stuff that nobody's been taught that will actually allow them to live a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom. So uh, that's the big one is shit you don't learn in college. If you guys want that, go to sidlickbook.com and, uh, and you can check that one out. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Also, check out Xander on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. I have all those links attached to the notes and details of this show. Check him out, follow him. He's full of great energy, great wisdom, great coaching, great content, wherever you want to follow him. So get in touch with that because that, that's the big thing in this is, is programming our mind, right? If, if we're not programming it intentionally, it's just going to be programmed by whatever we're experiencing. Somebody, somebody else is doing it, whether we whether we like it or not. So, and they're exactly. not trying to program it for you to be successful. So get on exactly. it. <laughs> it's all about the repetition that we intentionally put into our lives because marketing's happening. People are going to try and make us feel bad. There's media. There's all kinds of things that are going to yep. try to make you feel less than so you don't... Uh, so you can keep buying their products or whatever the case is. So yeah, I yep. appreciate you, Xander. I appreciate you. The greatest gift you can give is your authentic self and your time. And you've done that here with me today and the listeners of this show. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also. Please share subscribe leave a rating and review so we can reach more people have a farther ripple and a larger impact stay grateful i appreciate you and remember you are a conqueror